Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is your host, Kim Langling. Thank you so much for spending time with myself and my special guest today coming to us from Nigeria, Rita and Zenwa Okoro. She is the founder and lead visionary of Street Project Foundation, a nonprofit organization that uses creative and performing arts tools to facilitate opportunities for youth leadership development, social mobilization, and cross-cultural dialogue in Nigeria. And under her leadership, Street Project Foundation most recently received the United Nations Alliance of Civilizations and BMW Group's Intercultural Innovation Award in Dubai. Rita is also the author of Doing, Being, Becoming, For the Love of the Creative Arts, a book about her performance journey as a grassroots creative youth organizer in Nigeria and published by the New Degree Press in Washington, D.C., USA. Wow. Wow, Rita. I am so excited to talk to you because you are doing amazing things for youth in your area. And I can only imagine that it's spreading outside of your area, of course. But thank you so much for being my guest and welcome to Let Fear Bounce. Thank you, Kim. It's such an honor to be here. Um, I've listened to some of your, sh your the episodes of your show and it's quite inspiring. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I enjoy it. And I enjoy, as we were talking prior to hitting this record button, how much I enjoy meeting people such as yourself, that you are making and having a huge positive impact on the world. And maybe it's not the entire world, but one person's world at a time and just think how they in turn can change someone else's world. It's that ripple effect. I wanna know, I'm gonna to toss my first question out at you. I wanna know how it is and the idea came to you to start this project of yours, Street Project Foundation. It's, it's, it's quite a journey, it's quite a story. <laughs> and I love stories, so let's get to it. <laughs> Street Project Foundation um, started um, as a result of me being a graduate of creative arts, who after my final thesis um, on epic theater, said to myself, I do not believe in art for art's sake. I believe in art for social transformation. And this was my... <laughs> I love it, I love it. <laughs> This is like my 20 year old self who was being very academic and I probably didn't particularly understand what I was doing <laughs> just enough. <laughs> it was just a profound statement following all of the books that I'd read and all of the theses and academic, you know, literature that had been written. And that was my deduction. Lo and behold, going into the world, I saw that what I'd written down was definitely something that the world needed, especially in Nigeria, where the creative arts um, isn't seen as an essential work. As at the time, things are beginning to change a great deal. And I'm, I'm talking about 2002. And so and then with the high unemployment rates like Nigeria is a country with over 200 million people, 500 ethnic groups over 500 languages, and then 70% are young people. One of the major things be besides the poor leadership 
that we have struggled with over the years is the fact that a lot of young people are unemployed or underemployed. So here I am, an undergraduate who studied a course who is, that isn't particularly um, as the career path to pursue, an orange-colored job, I mean, <laughs> when everybody wanted to work in a bank, wanted to work as a doctor, a lawyer, all of those things. My question was what I was what what was I going to do with this? And fortunately, I I served in in Lagos State, Nigeria. It's usually it's a con, um, service. It's called the National Youth Service Corps. It's like a compulsory um, youth service to your country, Nigeria, for a year. So I was a part of that, and I became involved in a movement, um, a community um, development or community service project which was called One House Music Unit. Really, after that um, was one year of using music for social transformation. We composed music under the streets in Lagos, um, went to schools and used music as a driving force to talk about HIV and AIDS, to talk about um, violence, to talk about the need for unity in our country and patriotism. And I love music. It's like, um, it's, it, it's, it's my life. Um. <laughs> I, I completely, I'm sitting here with my hands in the air, folks. I completely understand. Music affects all parts of your life. So you hear a tune and you, it'll take you right back to where you were at a very specific moment in time. You know, it can make you cry. It can make you laugh. It can make you feel love. Music is just transforming in so many ways. And I just love listening to the passion in your voice as you're talking about this project. Because I'm sitting there going, oh, oh, we're sisters. I can feel it right now as you keep talking. So. <laughs> Well, you yeah, can sharing your story. I can't wait. To <laughs> you can say that. So we we did such amazing stuff. Um, and at the time, I was working with an NGO called Women's Optimum Development Foundation. Um, and so I was able to get some communication materials. So not only did we bring music, we also distributed communication materials to drive our message even further. And after that experience, for me, it was like, this couldn't stop. I, I felt so connected to that purpose because it was like an extension of what I'd written down in paper, you know, write the vision and make it plain. I think that was what I was doing <laughs> with my thesis. And then a year passed and I was brooding in my mind what I could do with it. And, you know, after one year, all of us dispersed to different parts of the country pursuing our life's purpose. And I said to myself, well, let's try this out. It first was known as street praise. So I, I have a, a very Christian background. And so the first thing I wanted to do was to try this out and take it to the street and use it for evangelical purposes. But I did it for a couple of times, even recorded um, um, a couple of singles with a grouping of young people within my community as well. But I knew that this wasn't what I wanted. I knew that I, I needed something that was more circular and that would reach the entire universe. And so I sat with it for another year and um, Street Praise became Street Project. And I was clear that I wanted to use the creative arts as a tool to facilitate youth employment, social mobilization and cross-cultural dialogue. This didn't come to me immediately, 
but it evolved it became a process but i knew that this was what i wanted to do and we started first by going to orphanages and then it evolved into competitions um, with young people but now what we do are programs like the creative youth boot camp or the arts vocacy project um, program or, or digital amazons these are programs that are art-led where young people convene for a period of time and they are matched with mentors they are placed on internships uh, at the end of the day they either secure jobs or they become change agents who are now advocates for social causes that they care about so a lot of our young people are called street project ambassadors because when they graduate from our program they become representatives of the organization and a lot of them are doing extraordinary things some of them have become youth advisors to the netherlands representing nigeria or working with the United Nations or working with a petroleum uh, um, service or starting their own businesses or making a, a headway in the creative art space in Nigeria. So a, a kind of a revolution has happened with a lot of our young people and creative arts has, has in, evolved in Nigeria as a result of you know, the work we're doing alongside many other people who are developing our country. What an amazing journey and the, the positive impact that it's having on so many young people that's in turn sparking their fire and they're taking it out and mentoring and helping and help, you know, showing others the vision as well. And I like how you said earlier, you said you wanted to bring it to the universe. You didn't say to Nigeria or to these two countries or whatever you said the universe and i i i cheered i cheered silently on my end of the microphone because you know why not the entire world needs what you're doing i sincerely believe that and i cannot yes i, I can't agree with you more because and the truth is when you speak it out you never know how far it, it would go because just recently in August, I was appointed the executive director of the Global Play Brigade, which... <laughs> Yay! Congratulations on that! Wow! Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Which is a, a movement of clowns, play activists, improvisers, actors, dancers, who believe in the power of play for human development, which really is what I was doing in my little corner in <laughs> in Nigeria. Um, and so, it, you know, the work that we've been doing at a local level, which was obscure, is now has gained global relevance such that I sit in such important position. Um, and now I'm thinking about at, at policy level, how can we make the agenda of creative arts at the heart, at the center of human development across the world? I am so excited on your behalf. I, I tell you, <laughs> I am just, I want to jump up out of my chair and jump up and down. How exciting for you that, you know, when you were a student, just graduated, you had this little nugget of a vision and what it's transformed into now. Uh, what an amazing journey. You know, do you know off the top of your head, like roundabout, how many kids have went through your program? Over 500. 500 kids oh my goodness and just think of all the people directly i have directly impact been impacted 
I haven't talked about those who have indirectly been impacted. Right, all the ripple effect, right? Ripple effect, right. Yes. Wow. So five years from now, with your vision now, and it just keeps expanding, which is wonderful. Do you have a vision of yourself five years from now of, of your program and you and your new position and the additional lives that can be changed? I, I love to, I, for some reason, I've, I've become very comfortable with um, the not knowing growing process. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I'm right there with you, sister. <laughs> COVID, COVID taught us a lot of things, right? <laughs> Many of us had dreams in 2020. <laughs> right, right, and they all did. <laughs> that, that were all that was ultimately isolated and had to be um, transformed and changed. But this is not to say that we don't hope and we do not project um, for certain things. And so, in in terms of my goal now, especially with the new hat that I wear is to see how we can make play and performance mainstream. Um, it was by interacting with quite a number of people across the world and also um, with the, the fact that I'm a member or fellow, global fellow of the International Society of the Performing Arts, I found out that a lot of the challenges that we face in the global South are just are, are quite similar when it comes to the performing arts and the creative arts and the fact that even during COVID, a lot of people who suffered that also were within that industry, um, which speaks volumes about the need to make sure that we're able to bring the creative arts, play and performance at the center of the world dynamics. I'm talking about the United Nations level. I'm talking about governmental level, really policy level that nothing is done without essentially incorporating performance and play. Play really is the antidote for a world filled with depression, a world with a lot of mental health challenges. I speak as one who's based in the global south and now mental health has been is, is, is now a major theme. If you have young people who are unemployed and are unable to, to make ends meet, they will be depressed. Um, and so even the world is facing depression. The, the climate is facing depression. Um, the decisions that we make is face, are all facing depression. Um, and what we need to start thinking about is how do we respond differently to a lot of the issues that are going on in our world? And what play does is it active, helps us activate our imagination, which is very, very critical. I come back to Nigeria because it's, it's, it's a familiar territory, but engaging with a lot of our young people and even leaders, a lot of them grew up without play because they lost their childhood. And if you are a developmentalist or, or an educationist, you understand how important play is to a child's development and also very important for adults but we we kind of just stop playing at a 
certain points in time, which then affects our ability to even keep imagining different things. We then are, are focused on one story. We're not open to diverse stories. A lot of this I talk about in my book, Doing Being Becoming for the Love of the Creative Arts. Um, and really, the, the reason I wrote the book is really at the end of the day, I want sector leaders, I want policymakers to see the importance of creative arts in life and why it should be part of their policy, why it should be part of the developmental agenda. And so in the long run, that's what I'm looking at achieving, that um, it becomes mainstream and at the center of all that we do in life, that it wouldn't be a conversation anymore. It would be like, that's, that's how our life is play and performance are involved in the whole thing it's not about being a superstar at the end of the day it could be a superstar that's fantastic but it's really about what it, the kind of discipline play and performance um, brings to one's life um, one of the things i tell my young people is that when you improvise you're building your critical thinking skills when you're acting or or, or presenting you're building your communication skills when you're you're doing artworks with a group you're building your team building skills and all of this collaboratively builds your confidence and we all need a sudden level of confidence to be able to survive and live and thrive in life and face our fears. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. I, I personally, I, I love to sing. I'm in, I love music. It is a huge part of my life. I'm an author as well, just like yourself. So writing is very cathartic to me. And you had mentioned, you said when we reach a certain point in our life, we let that play go because we become so we become so focused on the world and we get that it's like i look at it as tunnel vision and everything becomes black and white but there is so much color out in the world that you have to you know open your heart and your mind back up to it doesn't mean you have to be childish but there's yes. nothing wrong with looking at the world with childlike eyes and having that awe and wonder and learning new things such as music and all these performing arts that you mentioned earlier, that grows you as a person. And I think it also opens up your empathy. You know, it opens up your heart, your mind and your empathy so you can see the world through different lenses instead of just that black and white, have to work, have to do this, have to pay the bills, go to bed, go to work, come home, and do the same thing over and over and over again. Everyone needs an outlet. You can't be these robots. You can't be a robot going through life. And that's where depression sets in, I believe. That's a huge part of it. So you let the color back in, people. Let the color back into your life. <laughs> Completely. Um, and so the quote I was trying to remember was just aligned with what you just said, is the opposite of play is not work. It is depression. <laughs> that is very powerful and I believe true. And you had mentioned earlier, depression is worldwide, especially over these last few years because everyone's world changed. Didn't matter, didn't matter how much money you had, where you lived, how you lived, the world changed and no yeah. one had a say in it. No one yes. had a say in it. It just, it was... It, it just surprised, I think, a lot of people how all of a sudden it felt as if the doors to the world shut. 
And like you had mentioned, isolated was the word you used. And we aren't meant to be alone and isolated. That's not how we were made. And of course, depression comes in. And I, I, I live with depression from time to time. Everyone does. Everyone experiences yeah. it. But yeah. I also find, like I mentioned, writing and singing and music are hugely cathartic to me and bring that sense of peace and calmness back into my life when I need it. So give an example of what it is that you do to bring peace and calmness back into your life when it's needed. I cry. <laughs> That's good too. <laughs> I cry. And I, I think that it's really very important to embrace this emotions, to accept the fact that it is life. And I also talk about this in my book, Doing, Being, Becoming. It's life. And that's what the Global Play Brigade uh, that I lead is also all about. It's almost like I said, um, the reason we do what we do is that we believe that people can find different ways to respond to our, our, our many emotions and embrace them. There, there are some play activities where we're playing with our emotions, right? Um, and using our bodies to move alongside with it, playing in our, with our emotions through music. And so one of the things I really do is I let it all out. I cry until I can cry no more. Um, and even when I have friends going through depression or going through grief, um, which is a big thing during COVID and it's still what we have to, to work with in life, is cry. Another thing that is big for me is music, like I said. When I can't even sing, I would, I would have music by my side, um, just listening to it until I can calm, my nerves calm down and I can sleep off. Sleep is also very good. Oh, sleep is good. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, about the music, I often say, you know, if I hear a song or there's certain music that I'll play and I often tell people I fall into it. Oh. When I fall into it, that's like the ultimate. That That is the ultimate experience where you can fall into a good book. You can fall into a beautiful song and you, you're transformed when you come out of it. Now, a, a song might only last two and a half to three minutes. But that might be just what you need at that time. Two and a half to three minutes. Let yourself fall into the music. Feel it deep down, deep down in your soul. Let the music transform you because it can. I call it turning sheet to feel. Um, and so even when I saw when I saw the title of your podcast, you know, Let Fear Bounce, I was like, do we need to make fear bounce? <laughs> or should we recycle fuel, um, fear and make it fuel for what it is that we want to do? Um, and so one of the things that I, I, I do is intentionally take on that energy of fear, take it on and see how I can push against the tide and do stuff that I want to do. It's almost like I'm having... I'm having a battle with that emotion and saying, this is not the emotion I need right now. I need to press through it. So um, I press through it and use it. I churn, channel it 
towards achieving something. So yes, quite a number of things that I've achieved in life. I've <laughs> been a, as a result of fighting through depression, fighting through pain, fighting through grief, fighting through hurt, fighting through those things and, and turning it into, into fuel for for achieving, for doing, for being, for becoming. Um, also having conversations like with you, this is therapeutic. Um, having conversations with people who are empath em empathic and um, understand the ways of life or that you have the right vibe or energy with or people you would call your tribe people, members of your tribe. Having those hearty, honest, open conversations are also ways in which I'm able to, to deal with my own depression. Also positive thinking. Yes. And having faith. Having faith. Having faith. Woo-hoo! I'm I telling you. I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> I've, I've been through um, really hard periods very early on in my life. Um, as a child, 12 year old, 11, 12 year old. And I, I had goiter, um, which is a swelling in the neck. And I was taking eight pills um, of cabimazole three times a day for many years. That's a lot of drugs. Wow, and yes it is. It came with symptoms. I had bulgy eyes. My skin was very, very pale. My mom, I, I lost a lot of weight. Um, my mom couldn't take me out. The fear of people asking what's wrong with your child. Oh. That's a fear of every mother. You never want anybody questioning um, your, your, your parenting ability. And so I felt ostracized and isolated. I, I just was fortunate that, that in being recluse, that I was going into a shell that wasn't necessarily empty because I was in an environment and in a family where we had, we, we were Christians and had faith and belief in God. That was a way of escape for me. And I also did that a lot through music and through writing. And so isolation wasn't completely isolation because of my belief system and not every young person um, would have had that in their lives. That was enough to make me suicidal because I didn't have friends anymore. Those who I thought were my friends weren't friends with me anymore because my outlook was scary to them. And so very early on in life as a child, I could see the vanity and the vainness of human beings. And that hurt so much. It was like I had a disability. For some reason, communing with God and connecting with God um, helped build my faith such that I said, you know what? I really believe God can heal me. I'm ready to put down those drugs. And my parents, my parents believed in the faith that I had and didn't pressure me to even take the drugs any further. And here am I, 41 years old. Um, every time I've had my test on my thyroid gland and all of that, it's remained normal ever since. And so faith is, is really, it's a big thing. It's a big thing for me and positive thinking. And this is not to say that other trials haven't come, but what also helps is reflecting back 
to to that time when I experienced that I had this encounter, um, which I would call an improvisational um, communion with the divine. <laughs> you know, and I, I look at it, it, what you know, and thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. A lot of people need to hear that. You know, stories such as yours, that life is so incredibly hard. It really, really is. And I like how you you had mentioned earlier how you said you, you need to use fear as your fuel. That's super powerful right there. Use fear as your fuel. And you were doing that way back when, and you didn't even realize it, you yes. know, and your faith has been driving you. And I, I wish that more people would be able to turn that direction. It's a journey for each individual. And I understand that. And I'm not here to preach to anybody Everybody has their own journey, but every yeah. journey that I hear that has faith backed behind it, you have a hundred percent success rate of getting through each day. Yeah. Think about that, folks. You have a hundred percent success rate of getting through each day because you've got that extra hanging around on your shoulders and surrounding you helping you and guiding you to get through each day and turning that fear into fuel. Oh my goodness. What an amazing conversation this has been. Oh, wow. I could talk forever. I want you to right now, if you could share with folks where they can find more about your book, you, if you've got a website, what have you share it all. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim. Um, it's very easy. All you need to do is visit www.onlinewithreo.com. That's onlinewithreo.com. Um, and then you could find my books. You could find it on the website if you click on store. You could also find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Seller, um, Kobo books. Um, you could also find it on Ingram Spark. So I'm everywhere and also bookstores um, near you. My distributors are Ingram Spark. So my book is available across the world now. So I'm excited. You are reaching the world. <laughs> this yes. is awesome. Awesome yes. stuff. Thank you so much for being my guest today on Let Fear Bounce. This has been amazing. And I would love to have you on again in a few months and see where your journey's taking you and all these new things that, you know, especially you've got this new hat that you're wearing in your professional realm. So yeah, I would love to have you back in a few months and see what's happening in your world and how you're changing the world for the rest of us for the better. Thank you, Kim. I'll love that very much. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This has been an absolute joy for me speaking with my special guest today. So thank you for tuning in and everybody out there, be well, stay well, and be blessed.